Welcome to Talking Health Tech. My name is Peter Birch, and this is a podcast of conversations with doctors, developers, and decision makers that are playing in the Australian health tech scene today. With me today is Sanji Kanagalingam. Sanji is the Executive Director of Curve Tomorrow. Sanji is responsible for overall strategy, people, and ventures at Curve Tomorrow. Curve's a super interesting company that is at the intersection of healthcare, commercialization, and digital product development. They're a digital health technology company with an ambitious goal to impact the lives of one billion people. Curve works with organizations, clinicians, and medical researchers to bring life-changing and award-winning health technology to life from concept through to care. Sanji, thanks for joining. Thank you very much, Peter. Thanks for having me. One billion people is a lot of people. That's an ambitious goal that you have. <laughs> yes, it is. Tell us a bit more about yourself and your background and what you guys do. Yeah, cool. So Curve Tomorrow as a company, our overall aim is to take problems and ideas in healthcare and turn them into digital solutions that people love to use and improve lives, as we mentioned. So a lot of the work we do is around social and profit for purpose work. So people go, okay, what does that mean? Typically it involves apps on your phone and tablets, technology that runs on web and cloud-based solutions and connected devices like your Apple Watch. And I'll go through a few examples a bit later, but yeah, that's kind of our main thing. But what brought us to this place, it's a pretty interesting story. So the three directors, George, Mo and myself, Mm. Um, we actually met at university studying robotics and computer science. So at uni, when we first started off, we were like the different kids from families at a, um, that had left difficult countries for, to give their kids an opportunity, in particular for a better education. And so we always felt we were really lucky and blessed to be able to, to give them that opportunity and learn these cool skills in engineering and computer science. And we always wanted to figure out a way of giving back and around that social justice topic of people that don't have, and especially in healthcare, there's a huge issue around the world where there are a lot of people that just don't have the same access to good healthcare. And that's why we picked healthcare as an area and Curve Tomorrow was was born. Yeah, okay. So it's it's a company that's focused on healthcare. So what, what, what's, your, what's your product? What do you sell? So we have two main parts to our business. One is we work with medical research institutes, clinical entrepreneurs, healthcare organizations, and that's more of our consulting business where we're taking an idea or a problem and making it into a, like we call it productizing, but we make it into a digital health product. The other part of our business is we're actually commercializing our own products at the same time. So from all we're learning in the space, like over 30 projects we've worked on over the last seven to 10 years, mm. um, we're, we're actually taking those learnings and saying, okay, what are the big problems we want to solve? You mentioned that question around with a 1 billion lives. And for us, we don't, Australia is definitely an important part, but we have a big vision to go overseas and in particular in countries that need big steps in healthcare, like countries like India and China. So we have a big vision to take these products, solve problems over there and be able to improve lives when you say in those countries. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. So, so when you say developing products, are you talking technology? Is that like, like applications? Yeah, 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 correct. Yeah, like I mentioned before. So a lot of the, a lot of our works around technology, there are quite a few products that we have that you need to combine services and technology together. Yeah. But our our specialty would, is around that technology area. So that design thinking, mm. user-centered design about, okay, are we actually solving a problem here? What are the different ways we can do that? Does that require technology? Generally, if it's outside the technology space, we'll partner with other people 
got um, to provide a more holistic solution. Nice. You got two parts of the business. You got your consulting and you got your your actual ones that you're you're developing. So you're saying if I've got a cool idea for an app, but I've got no idea on how to do it, like particularly within the healthcare space, then I come to you guys to make it happen. Is that generally how the process goes? Yeah, it does. And it, it generally starts in many different ways. So we get the typical one is we get someone with, okay, I've got a huge problem. I'm not sure how to go about it. That's one kind mm. of starting point. Mm. The other one is I've got an app. I've got an exact, exact product that I want you to build and I want you to, here you go, build it for me. Yeah. And what we end up spending a lot of time is digging into the actual problem or convincing the partner we're working with, the clinical um, partner or the, the health organization we're working with. Okay, let's bring it back a little bit. Mm. What's the actual problem? And are we actually solving that problem? Is this something that your users that you're thinking want this product? Will they actually, do they really want to use it? And then the other one, is there a market need? So is there a commercial model around what we're doing? And when we say commercial model, it's not about making, you know, heaps of money necessarily. A lot of the time it's, we see digital products that are developed or even out of research, something's created as a proof of concept or that first thing. And it will generally will die over time because people haven't thought about the sustainability. So sometimes it might be just about feeding itself. Um, that's something we focus a lot on. So we kind of broke, we break it down into four main things. One thing is what's the clinical evidence around it? The second one is what's the business model? Sometimes to make profit, sometimes just to keep it alive. The third thing is around design thinking. So will people actually enjoy using it? Is this something that's going to be sticky? And the fourth one is can we build it in slices? Because the reality is we can guess a lot of stuff at the start. Mm. But we want to keep building and learning along the way. Hey, so those are kind of the four main things we look at. No, awesome. And digging into one of those, so design thinking, it's a term that you know, comes up a lot and some people probably aren't overly familiar with it uh, but know it's important. Are you able to go into a bit more detail about what that, what that actually means? Yeah, sure. So I agree. I think design thinking has become almost a, a process in many cases and sometimes a bit of a buzzword. But for us, really what we're looking at there is okay, can we take things back to the start? If you've got an idea or a problem you're looking at, what is that actual core starting point? So we, what we normally look at is that we call a problem definition. So can you define what that problem is? And sometimes you're not sure. So you have to spend a bit of time empathizing. We call it the empathy phase. So you might have a typical, let's go through an example of a concussion product we developed. So yeah. in that case, we developed a concussion product that helps parents and coaches understand if the kid's got a concussion and then help them with the recovery of concussion. So in that case, we would spend a bit of time on, okay, what does that parent and that coach actually want? How will they absorb information? How would it fit into the process of their life, for example? So they've got a, you know, a footy game on the weekend. How, if I now need to check if the kid's got a concussion, how would that fit into my life and into that day? So that's really important. And then the other one is understanding their motivations. So if I don't understand what drives that person, basically you're not going to develop a product that's sticky or the person wants to keep using. So we spend a lot of time trying to understand that. Mm. The second bit is you can break those down into needs because you can spend a fair bit of time understanding and interviewing the person we call shadowing. So spending a bit of time observing the actual in context, what they're doing. So that's something that's really important. But then you can come up with about 100 things that that person wants or needs. And the other hard bit is prioritizing what those things are and distilling it down into, in, in concussion case, what are the big things? What, what, what are the big things that are going to help solve their problems? And um, the next stage we go from there is 
thinking about all the options. So a lot of the time in healthcare, it is generally because we're handling people's lives and we're handling people's welfare, you get trained almost to constrain your thinking. But what we do is we encourage people who are developing the product with us to go into like this divergent phase of thinking it broad and thinking it'd be crazy. What are all the ways we could solve these problems we've just kind of identified till now? And then let's then we'll distill it down. But don't think about the constraints for now. And then we go through the convergent phase and you know bring it down into a few things that we can test and then go through that testing phase without building anything. So our main aim is to not just build stuff for the sake of it. As I mentioned before, hmm. we care a lot about social impact. So we everything we build, we want it to improve lives afterwards. So we don't want it to just be built and sit on the shelf. So we want to test it early. That's kind of our main our main thing. So let's test a few things without actually building or writing any code. Uh, you can do that with mockups, or when I say mockups, you can do that with prototypes. Um, and we check that with those end users and the, the other stakeholders involved. In, and often that involves a clinician or the healthcare organization. Cool. So yeah, so that's kind of a, a quick uh, overview of how we do design thinking. Yeah, and look, I mean that that's that's awesome. And, and too often. I've seen as well. There might be some, you know, really passionate founders or, or, or you know, even organisations. Sometimes even with a lot of capital behind them to be able to just create a product, like you say, create a product for the sake of creating a product, or, or, or to utilise some really fancy tech, not um, actually solve a meaningful problem. So that, yeah, that's a great, great point, and that, it's something I probably missed actually because we see it really often where that that understanding phase or someone comes along and says, build this for me, or these are all the things I need. And ever in tech, because it's very doable these days, you know, tech is fast. You yeah. can do it. And we just end up building this thing with a million features and it doesn't necessarily always add a lot of value to the end person. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's a good point. Exactly. Yeah. Too often. What? So the, the, the concussion app sounds sounds pretty cool. No doubt there's there's other, you know, success stories that or, or things that you've created that have been successful. Like, Can you give us another example of, of a product you've worked on that's gone to market and that's been a bit of a hit? Yeah, so I will mention, just to finish off on the concussion one mm. I didn't mention, is partnership is really important. So as I mentioned before, we look at the business model side. So we use Lean Canvas, the Lean Canvas method. But channel to market in healthcare is difficult. So how do you get that product out there? Mm. Putting it on the app store and hoping it works, it does not work. That's not going to work in healthcare. So in the in the concussion case, we actually partnered with AFL and we're also looking to partner with other codes. But the AFL actually have distributed to all families. So I just wanted to mention that. That's yeah. been a really, I would say, stepping point in the whole product. That So now it's out with over 25,000 families wow. in its first year. So that's been quite cool. Good um, and awesome to hear the stories of families using it and helping them along the way. Love it. Yeah. So I would say another product, um, a good one is a product we call the Verto. And the problem we had there was there's a lot of immigrants in Australia and especially with English as a second language. And the problem, one problem we had is working with a, a group called NARI, the National Aging Research Institute. They identified in early stage dementia, you lose that ability to speak that second language. And especially if it's English, I have, and, and it's very difficult for me to receive care. So in aged care homes, community care, if I'm, a, if I'm a immigrant who can't speak English and it's not my first language, I struggle to get care. So my carer comes along, fluent English speaker, my local Aussie nurse, daily check-in, 
I actually can't even tell them, oh, I've got a bruise on my left-hand side. Oh, I need to be taken to the toilet. Oh, mm. I've actually lost my glasses. Simple things like that were resulting in huge problems. So that was the original problem we were working around. And so what we created was we created a, a voice tech platform that allowed them to convert language on the fly. So as a carer, I speak in English. As a person who speaks in, let's say, Croatian, I speak back in Croatian and I, we are able to converse with each other and um, at least get my basics, basic needs met. So that, that's quite cool. And that's going through a, um, a trial at the moment at nice. three aged care um, locations. So that's, that's another cool one that we're really excited about. Very cool. Very cool. What about what about on the other side? What are some one of the I always like the weird ones or the what what are some of the weirder kind of ideas that you've been pitched or even less successful solutions that yeah. have been come up with them? Like, yeah, so, it's a good one. Yeah. So something like it'd be good to know like what works and what, what, what hasn't worked. Yeah. So I'll give you a bit of just to kind of not give you all good stories, I'll give you one of ours. So one of our products. Mm. And it was one of our first products that we learned a lot with. And I'll call it, maybe it's not weird, it's probably just less successful. Sure. And the uh, product was called Sunny Movement. And the product was around helping kids with cerebral palsy and stroke with rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. And we saw a huge problem, let's say. And this is where design thinking by itself is not always, it's not good to just use alone. But there was a huge problem in current best practice was using a thing called a goniometer. And it's a, basically a plastic protractor. And that's how they measure the child's progress of can they have, do they have more degrees of freedom to move around? And we're like, oh, surely you can solve this in a better way. Mm. Being, you know, the know-it-all engineers, we came along and said, and this was early on, like this was more than nine years ago. Yeah. You can use a 3D camera. We can use an off-the-shelf 3D camera, really cheap. They can measure all the angles. They, kids can play a game. It's going to be amazing. And actually the OTs, the physios, they loved it. The kids loved it. We did some initial testing. We actually went and built this thing, the prototype version. Mm. We actually went and we won global awards. We won, We were the first non-US company to win Hell 2.0 with this. And so it was all great, right? We were all excited. And the thing that I mentioned, the, other, the second lens I mentioned, the business model, we, did, we never even looked at it. So when we went to hospitals and said, okay, great, let's put these things in, they were like, oh, okay. Um, it doesn't actually fit into our process. Not sure how we're going to do it. That's mm. one. Mm. Oh, and second of all, probably bigger problem is there's no reimbursement code. So we can't actually, the physios are going to be having to do this for free. The kids sitting out in the country, the, the physio sitting in, in their clinic, yeah. sounds great, needs to be done, but there's no way the physio can get reimbursed. And we're like, oh, such a, so we had this huge sinking feeling. Yeah. And so, you know, that's a great example of great problem to be solved in healthcare, mm. but it's not going to be sustainable. And that, that's probably a good example of, let's say, less successful idea we've had. Um, and we've learned which we learned a lot from yeah yeah how do you that kind of leads to my next point too like because there's so many like so much regulatory and privacy and integration and payment (laughs) barriers and all these other kind of barriers within health healthcare and health tech that come up and they're they often get vendors unstuck you know whether they're new or or existing uh, so how do you keep on top of all of those things to ensure your products are, are fit for yeah. purpose yeah no that's a good question because we don't want to see ourselves as like a typical like software dev house where mm-hmm. people come to with a set of requirements go and build this for me yeah so like you mentioned if our we only do healthcare so knowing the things you mentioned like around regs medical device, software as a medical device, um, privacy, integration into, into 
the other healthcare systems, we basically invest just a lot of time and education around it. So there'll be people in our organization that focus on those things and they spend time going to seminars, understanding changes in standards. And they're not the most exciting things, but you know, you need to know what the changes are in standards. So right now we're going through a big change in TGA and FDA, which is the medical device regulations. Mm. And so we're closely across those things. That's kind of the first step. The second step is we've found partners that are specialists in each of those areas that we trust. And so they, they we've got go-tos around different topics, so like around reimbursement, health economics, regs, security. Because like you said, we can we put a lot of effort in, but you still need those specialists. And so we've got these go-to people that we, we can go to every time we develop a new product. Got to have that network. That's important. Um, yeah, the network is really important, especially in digital health and health tech. So what's on the horizon for you guys? What's coming up in, say, 2020? Yeah, cool. 2020. For us, we've had a few goes at commercializing our own product. We've got some early traction with developing one of our own products. Hopefully in 2020, we've got a product out there on market. For us, that improving a billion lives is not just something we say as a tagline. It's something that we track every quarter. We track it as closely as profit. Uh, It's really important to us. We're hoping, I'll say... Let me go a little bit further, yeah, maybe two or three years. Mm-hmm. We're hoping to, to actually hit that goal. We want to be going outside Australia. So on purpose, we've got five locations. We've got five offices in five countries. Um, and on purpose, we've got those locations so we can achieve that billion life. We've got a, quite a, a few people in Mumbai. And our next location we're hoping to go to is, is India because we see a massive opportunity to almost like use digital health as a way to leapfrog the way healthcare is done and they're really open to basically because they don't have the, the human resources to be able to deliver the healthcare quality we have here in Australia. Mm-hmm. So on the horizon, our aim is to go into those countries and have that commercial product commercialized and out living independently, we call it, but kind of feeding itself next year. And yeah, in hopefully five years, we, on average, we want to be improving about 150,000 lives annually. And we have, more spin-out products out in the market. How do you know how many lives you've, you've impacted and, and like how many have you impacted like now? Yeah, it's a good question. So every project at the start of it, we will figure out, okay, how do we measure we've improved someone's life? So sometimes that can be number of uses of a product, like especially if it's a clinical tool and they're having new patients. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it can be for concussion. I've gone through the concussion recovery so every product we've got a we've got a lives impacted register and for every product we measure that every quarter hmm. and so right now we're at 130,000 people and it's accelerating as we go as we get more products out there and so we've got like a track for every year a target we have to hit in order to hit the billion lives in 25 years wow so you mentioned that, that i love that vision i love that there's so much clarity there. That's great. Especially if you've got so many different moving parts and different parts of the business. Ultimately, if it boils down to a single number, that's that's pretty on point, guys. Well done. It'll keep you on keep you on your toe. Well, at least you know what you're all striving for. So that's good. Yeah, definitely. And everyone who joins us, they're 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 there for the same ride. They've got that common mission, which 
yeah, it's pretty awesome you to like, have that team in the world. You need like a real time ticker, like in the office, right? The big <laughs> number going on, or like something on your on your yeah, website yeah. that like rolls over every time. Or like, oh yeah, next. that's we thought. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. on our backlog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the roadmap. The famous roadmap line. What, what, like uh, fascinated. So five countries. India is one of your main focuses. Where, where else yes. are you? Did you say? Uh, so we're in. So in Melbourne, we've got Melbourne, Perth. Uh, we've got Sri Lanka, we've got Pakistan, India, and the Netherlands. Hmm. It's a good uh, good mix. How have you found the the challenges globally? Then, like, are, are there similarities? Are there differences? Are there things that you can chunk up to uh, address issues in in some countries and, and not others? How do you go about that? Uh, yeah, in terms of healthcare or in terms of team healthcare. Yeah. Healthcare. Yeah. So definitely one thing we've seen, especially in the developing countries, like uh, countries like India and Pakistan mm. and Sri Lanka, mm. as I mentioned, they, we, they don't have the human resources. Yeah. We're, we're really lucky in Australia to have amazing, you know, doctors and nurses, um, specialists, amazing surgeons that can deliver the healthcare in, in, in India. They're just, the population is just too high. So they can't get that. And a lot of the time that quality healthcare, it's a formula of how much money you have. Yes. So that middle class and lower class can't access that level of quality of healthcare. So digital is really the only means for them to be able to take that next step. Mm. And let, so to summarize what I'm trying to say is they're much more ready and open to using digital health as a core part of their healthcare um, journey mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and healthcare delivery. Love it. So to wrap things up, Sanji, how can um, people find out more about you guys or, or keep in touch with what's coming out and what's on the roadmap? Cool. Yeah, jump onto our website. We've got a few case studies there that hopefully connect with people. We're really about helping others. So if there are other people on a similar journey, we're not there to sell our services, but we'd really like to help other groups to help you move, move from A to B in the digital health space. So we love helping other groups wherever you are in Australia. That's really important. So yeah, jump onto our website. It's got all our contact details. The other one is LinkedIn. We're pretty active on that too. So that kind of shows what our progress is and what kind of things we're up to. Yeah, reach out and love to have a chat. Always happy to have a coffee and help people. Love it. Sanji, I'll put some links in the show notes. I appreciate your time. Good luck with the 1 billion number. I'll check in with you in a few years and see where you're at. Thanks so much for your time. Awesome. Thanks. Appreciate it, Peter. Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. My name is Peter Birch. Go do some stuff on our socials and website, share it with some people, and give us a nice review and a five-star rating because it all helps to spread the word and get people talking. Until next time, I'm out of here.